This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good day, greetings, hello, and welcome to Art at the End of the World, the podcast where we welcome artists, entertainers, and cultural leaders speaking about what it is to make art here at the end. And my name is Mark Wigmore. Thank you for checking out the show. This is your first time here. Welcome. And uh, this is episode nine of our 10 episode season. All the episodes available. To you, for free, wherever you enjoy podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the TuneIn app, Google, iTunes, of course, art at the end of the world.com and classicalfm.ca, the new Classical FM, our very special presenter of this podcast with the Zoomer Podcast Network. Lots of ways to get to the program, and we have great conversations with people like uh, Ben Kowalowitz from Billy Talent. He was just on a couple weeks ago. Film legends Howard Shore, fantastic composer, Lord of the Rings. Uh, Robert Lantos, Canada's uh, arguably Canada's most famous producer, film producer. Alan Zweig, the documentarian. Schitt's Creek's Karen Robinson did the show. Juno nominee Alexandra Streliski. Who else? So many others. You can uh, find out more. Search for it, Art at the End of the World, on your favorite podcast app. And please do subscribe. Today is Baroness Von Sketch Day, one of the big stories within Canadian and international comedy, for that matter, uh, over the last few years, to be sure. Founder, star of the show, and longtime showrunner with Baroness Von Sketch, Carolyn Taylor is my guest today. And uh, honestly, Carolyn is the first person I thought of when I put this new season together. We did the first 10 episodes back in 2019, and I I knew that it might happen again. And as I was mulling through potential guests for the program, Carolyn was really uh, top of mind. And so I'm so glad she agreed to do it. I want to thank Liz Reed, who worked very hard to put this together over the last uh, six months or so. So thank you, Liz, and uh, great to have Carolyn here. Baroness Von Sketch, very in the moment. Zeitgeist program, wildly popular, uh, really flips the storytelling we traditionally have seen in comedy sketch shows. And on a large scale, it really is everywhere. It's made use of social media, the Internet in a big way, Netflix. And really, Carolyn is the perfect person to talk to about a changing cultural climate and big change when it comes to who gets to tell stories and make us laugh. And that's really why I put this podcast together, to talk about artistry, but also what it is to make art in this turbulent moment of massive cultural and political and environmental change and certainly uh, health changes Really looking forward to getting Carolyn's perspective in just moments. Thank you to Red Eye Media, a leading arts and entertainment communications company, working with award-winning clients, including the Musical Stage Company, SummerWorks Performance Festival, and many others. RedEyeMedia.ca for more info, one of our great sponsors, and get in touch with Red Eye if you need representation for your arts organization. The episode also sponsored by Crow's Theatre, one of this country's most acclaimed arts organizations based in Toronto's East End. 
making it a vibrant East End, Crow's Theater creating unforgettable theater that examines and illuminates the pivotal narratives of our times. Crowstheater.com for info and tickets. You can enjoy a show at Carla and Dundas. You'll see the big marquee. All the Little Animals I Have Eaten, how about that for a title, and Black Top Sky both start next week at Crow's Theatre. All right, so Carolyn Taylor, raised in Montreal and cut her teeth in the business here in Toronto over the last couple decades. She's trained with Second City. Uh, This hour has 22 minutes. Worked there, Queer as Folk, Dan for Mayor. Just some of her credits. She worked on The Hour with George Strombolopoulos way back in the day and then got this idea... We're putting together a sketch troupe with Meredith McNeil, what a weapon she is, uh, Aurora Brown, Jennifer Whalen, just four tremendous talents, and calling it Baroness Von Sketch. And I remember hearing about this thing way back about five years ago and thinking it sounded pretty cool. I was a little surprised that a sketch show was actually getting picked up and hearing that CBC was on board and Netflix was behind it. It was really the imagination wandered. What was this thing going to be? And it's turned into a real big deal and it's delivered, hasn't it? Just totally hilarious. I think number one and highly shareable, very of the moment, I think politically minded to some degree. But I don't think that that overwhelms how funny the show is, whether you consider it to be feminist or a political game changer or what have you. Really, it's just a funny show at its core. Total destination television for me. I've always loved sketch comedy on TV. The show has won several Canadian Screen Awards over the years. It's up for five statues, five candies, as Norm MacDonald calls them. Uh, The CSAs will be handed out on March 29th and uh, Baroness Von Sketch up for five of those statues. And whenever I've watched the show, I always suspected that Carolyn was in a leadership role with the troupe. I didn't necessarily know that to be true. But she's so funny, and she often is playing a leader of a group within a sketch, like maybe a boss, or she's the one taking someone to dinner. Really does have this strong presence, and she was indeed showrunner for several seasons. And like I say, with this all-female-led troupe, with the attention it gets internationally, with the way it has harnessed distribution through Netflix and social media, YouTube, and the subject matter that we're laughing at, a lot of it is new, and we haven't seen these ideas on screen before. And what else can you ask for? Very artistic in that way. A cultural game changer. So let's get to it. My conversation with Carolyn Taylor from Baroness Von Sketch on Art at the End of the World. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> How are we doing? We're good? Um, okay. <laughs> I've been really looking forward to this, by the way. Me too. Oh. <laughs> Come on. It took forever. You have this amazing layers of of people to get to you. Do I? Yeah. Oh, That's dear. that means something. Are they nice? Oh, everybody was very nice. Okay, good. But it good. made me realize you're very busy. Yeah. You know, things are going pretty well for CT. I guess. I hate even <laughs> saying those words. I'm such a like, ooh. How how do you because you just got five CSA noms? Yes. How how do you deal with the praise? How's the praise? Uh, I respond because you're going to be well. getting some over the next hour. <laughs> I respond very well to praise. No, I, <laughs> I don't know. It's really nice. It's lovely. Really? Okay. Yeah. Sure. I yeah. saw. You, I think I saw you on stage maybe the first year that the what is there a short form for Baroness von Sketch? Did you go to the Baronesses? 
Oh yeah, I guess the Baroness. Sure, <laughs> is that sure, what sure, you sure. Go or, with Bar- or Baroness. I saw it on Baroness. Or, right. Uh, that's usually what people say when they're right, right. talking to me. They don't usually. But say I remember them. you, and you were seemingly pretty emotional that first year. Oh yes, I was. Yeah. Yes, I was. I was there in the media scrum. Okay. Uh, in the basement. Was this the one that was the televised? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the televised one, because there's the industry night and then the televised night. Yes, I was emotional that night. I was. So it's kind of like maybe the first one, I think. uh, For for Baroness. Yes. No, we were nominated the first year and we didn't win. Uh, It was, that was the Gord Downey special, like, you know, that that huge night and, and we were up against them and you know what we didn't want to win we're like no this goes to Gord oh my god uh and it was the following year that we won I remember my friend Dustin who had done some artwork for an album cover that year Mm. uh he was up nominated for Juno I think I've got this right and it was also the same year that Gord passed away and he had put out that you know that solo record and it was so great and 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 Dust was just like, well, <laughs> not, not my year. I'm not winning. No, no. <laughs> it was that yeah. uh, darkly. But then you question, like, what is winning? Right. Like, maybe still, you know, being here. I think here. just nominated, <laughs> being nominated is a nice yeah. thing in, in all these awards. Oh, for sure. Yes. It just gets you part of the, you're part of the conversation. Yeah, you get to have the dinner and the, yeah. <laughs> the drink. And yeah. No, no. It's, yeah, you're part of the conversation. It's great. It is know? good. Yeah, for sure. Well, congrats on that, by the way. And well-deserved. Another five nominations for Thanks. you Thanks. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I'll go back about, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think about what this might be. 2008, I want to say I'm working at 1039 Proud FM. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. Uh, at Church in Wellesley. Yeah. And I'm uh, sitting there and I'm talking to Scott Thompson, yes. Kids in the Hall of Fame. And we're, we're talking about whatever terrifying show he's putting together at that point. Of course, he was putting out these very uh, darkly funny and, and really pushed a lot of buttons with this show he was doing at that time. But, yeah. but we got talking about Kids in the Hall and he said, I'm still waiting for that Canadian troupe to come along because I think we were talking about gosh there was this moment back in the 70s and the early 80s where there's this funnel of Canadian talent that was getting to places like Saturday Night Live SCTV was getting picked up uh, and then somebody like Mike Myers was you know going down and doing all these things you know and then the kids came along and it just felt like there was suddenly something that just sort of stopped happening for for Canadian talent on that level. So he said, I'm waiting for the next troop to come and and just kick our asses. (laughs) That's what he said. And I I just, it hasn't happened yet, and I'm looking forward to it when it happens. And I I sort of dawned on me at the time, and I started thinking, okay, and and as the years would go by, I would see different troops and different talent come along, and I, I remember thinking, picnic face might be it. Yeah. But they really only had that one season, and right. and they all kind of dispersed after that. And then Baroness comes along, and I said, there you go, Scott. <laughs> they came. Right. They kicked your ass. <laughs> and I think he would only be too happy. Okay. I really well, believe that. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does feel like finally some Canadians came in there doing this format of comedy. and Yeah. And, and I mean— to be fair, it's it's also happening at at the higher level, at the network level. Like there need to be green lights, there needs to be development, there need to be development deals that don't go on for f- four years, and then your material is is dead in the water by right. the time they you know make a decision. So I think we were we just came in at the the right time. It was a it was a timing thing where I guess there was an appetite finally because when you're working in the biz, you always hear oh they don't want sketch anymore, no one wants sketch, no one wants improv, no one you know, and you just hear these things. 
it's also getting those green lights because there are a lot of troops who were doing a lot of work, you sure know, and trying to get shows. And, and so it, it's not that people weren't taking shots. It was waiting for the industry to... To say, yes, we're looking for that right now. It's not necessarily the, yeah. about the quality or whatever. Uh, well, I mean, I think, you know. <laughs> that, you know of course. But you, they had to be at a high it level. Ha- it had to be, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think it was just a, the right time. It was. Uh, I The other interview I think of is, I think it's 2015, and I've just gone to see a Second City show, and I got I said to myself, I have to have that Kevin Whalen character, and that guy is oh, so he's funny. so good. He's so unbelievable. Yeah. And he was just one of these malleable characters. You could put him in anything, yeah. and, and he was so great. Yeah. And so we ha- we he came in, and he couldn't have been more modest, of course, so I was sort of like, you know, really uh, trying to muscle him through the interview to get to talk, talk yeah. about how great he is. But towards the end, he goes, oh, by the way, I should mention, my sister's working on this uh, show, and uh, we think it's getting picked up by CBC, and it's called Baroness Font Sketch, so look out for it. <laughs> right and on. that is such a wonderful memory when I think back now, because he's been on that Oh, show. my God, he's been on many, many Lots times. times. I was just guess. watching some of the rough cuts um, that are in prep for season five, and yeah, he just cracks me up every time. He can play sort of the everyman. And just show the foibles and the idiosyncrasies and the you know the 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 sad dark side I right. guess of of being a, a man today <laughs> and uh, you know and also go into some really kooky places as well. He's yeah he's a great actor and I just saw him also on Bit Players and that's Chris Siddiqui and Nigel Downer's uh, new show on CBC oh, Gem okay. and it's really funny. It's nothing like Baroness and it is. Hilarious, and uh, I was just binging it. And he he talked about having to go back and forth to L.A. a lot as a Canadian, mm. you know, performer, actor, yeah. comedian. Is that something you got to do? You got to be I, down there a bit. I didn't do that. Like at the time when everyone was sort of making the trip, and they'd stay in Silver Lake, and everyone would you know go to pilot season. I don't even know if there is an official pilot season anymore. Seems like it's all changing. It's, everything's very changed. Rapidly, yeah. And I I just didn't do that. I kind of. I wasn't feeling it, and I kind of, I, I was young at the time, I'm like, I only want to go if they bring me, <laughs> such an <laughs> asshole. But, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, I like it out I there. would have thought that way, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I like, just, what, I gotta, what, I'm going to go there and knock on and... people's door, like, you know, like, if there's something to be there for, I'm happy to be there. Right. So, uh. We're cut of the same cloth. Are we? Way. Yeah. Oh, great, fast friends. <laughs> <laughs> so that, but have you, you must have had to go down there oh, yeah, for, for, sure, for, for sure. meetings yes, yes, yes. and all this yes, stuff lately. I have, yes. yes Is so that all right? Down. Yeah. You like the sunshine down there? I actually do like the sunshine. I thought I had the sort of East Coast bias, like, oh, I only like Toronto or New York or whatever. And then I went down to L.A., to visit some friends, and this is pre-Baroness, and I was like, ooh, I, I actually kind of like it. I kind of like having sun every day. And every day I woke up, I was like, oh, sure. Oh, wow, lucky me. Right. I'm here during the sunny time. <laughs> I don't know. It's like that every day. All the musicians and actors I talk to who live here, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty hard for anybody to say, no, I don't like it down there. I mean, I had Robert Lantos on, and he's, you know, curmudgeon some of the time, and he said, well, I still like still like the sun. It's nice. <laughs> I mean, it is nice to have to have the sun. There are some nice things, you know, the driving culture, total pain. But now Toronto, I'm like, oh, man, it's, right. is it worse? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> One of the nice things about this show, and just thinking about Kevin for a second, is that it has been this wonderful place for Second City talent. Yes. To go to, to be on national television, to be on Netflix, to be on this platform. And I think that's one of the nicest elements that you 
installed into that program. Yeah, that felt that felt great. And that was very intentional. I mean, not specifically Second City, but that's where so many of our pals and, and people who are doing really interesting work and improvised, nuanced work um, on stage. And that's where you're from. Were, and that's where I'm from, yeah. yeah. Um, and Aurora and, and Jen as well. Right. So it was exciting to be able to hire people we knew could look at a script and know, okay, it doesn't have to be read verbatim. I mean, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. But a lot of the time we let the camera roll and allow for some improvisation at the end. Or we say, okay, let's do one to script and now let's have fun with one. And then when you're in the edit, you're able to pick up those little nuggets that you couldn't have written because, you know, they just come out of the, the ether in the moment, you know? Must be sort of joyful to... It is. It's exciting Watch to, to leave the page. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And having people who are so skilled and, and capable of doing that, like Kevin Whalen and like Paloma Nunez and a whole, whole bunch of folks, Jen Goodhue. Chris Locke and I were, yeah. we used to live beside each other in Parkdale. We had a, a joint porch that we would, oh. you know, we had this sort of, we were on the second story of a, of a building. And when we were kids, we would just wander out there and talk about comedy and hang out and uh, it's been pretty fun he was on this podcast last yeah. season too so it was pretty fun to uh to see him on your show oh he's well. great i love his brain he's so weird he is so weird so weird and wonderful he just makes me laugh he just, he just he's one laugh. of those guys a bit like meredith that way too where mm-hmm. they both just exude funny yeah. on some level yeah they just walk into the yeah, room and you're like, like okay here we go here we go something's gonna happen <laughs> totally <laughs> So that's it's been so nice because it started to my point earlier. So many times at Second City shows, I thought to myself, I wish there was a bigger platform here. And it's been so nice to see that yeah. that stairway, you know, back yeah. and forth, right? Yeah, it's been great. Are you a Toronto person? Or are you? I'm from Montreal. Oh, from Montreal. Okay. Yeah. You say Montreal. Montreal. Yeah, if you're from Montreal, you say Montreal, That's unless it. you're French, uh, Montreal. But uh, it's usually people who aren't from Montreal, they say Montreal. So right. I'm just giving you a, a tip, <laughs> if you want it. I mean, you cut it out of the, the radio. I hope that no, doesn't make good. it. I'm horrible. Why would I say that? Why right. would I say I'm I, just giving you a, a tip. Well, I'm out on the air every day at Classical FM, and yes. I do the show. And so I say, uh, I'll say, uh, you're listening in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I get in trouble for saying that. Yeah. Cause I, You're supposed to say Toronto. Toronto, yeah. yeah. So Montreal. And Montreal, yeah. Now, my wife is originally from Montreal, so, oh, so uh, she has corrected me before. Yes. So Okay, uh, good. <laughs> good. I'm not so the we're, first. We're good. Okay, phew. Yeah, in fact, it, it does seem to be a uh, theme here that I uh, do speak to a lot of people who got Yeah, the, you just had, uh, was it Alexandra? Strelisky, yeah. Yeah, um, Montreal. But she lives there. Right. Yeah, but I, I speak to a lot of people who were born there yeah. or started there and then made their way to Toronto. Yeah. What was the story? You uh, came here when? Well, I came here, I think, in, uh, I think it was 97. Yeah, 97. I traveled. Uh, I graduated university uh, at Queen's, worked for about six months in Montreal, went off, traveled for about a year, Australia and New Zealand, and then came back and moved to Toronto and into my friend's basement apartment in Cabbage Town and started taking classes at Second City. Because I moved here almost the exact same time, ninety nine okay. from Victoria. Oh, from Victoria. How did you uh, How did you feel about the city at that well, point? It's a we, bit of a bit of a lonely transition, isn't it, it? Kind of. I mean, I'd grown up, of course, in Montreal, second generation Montreal, and a lot of my family had made you know the big exodus to Toronto in you know the sixties and seventies, right? right? With you know with the, the banks, and, with the banks, exactly. Right. And yeah. my uncle was in an ad firm, and so he moved here, but he'd keep driving back every weekend because like ah, Toronto's horrible, and you know want to come to Montreal and hang out and party and have have fun and uh 
and my aunt as well. So I had a lot of family in Toronto. I was often doing the Via Rail, you know, right. trip from Montreal to Toronto as a kid. So coming here, I had, you know, friends from university. I had, I mean, it wasn't, it's not Montreal. It wasn't Montreal. Sure but isn't. I know, it sure isn't. But I like Toronto. You know, like I'm maybe one of those Montrealers who's like, you know what, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of great people and, and I'm happy to be here. That's and being right. an, an Anglophone too, you know, it right. makes a difference. Like to actually work in the arts, you know, in Quebec and Montreal. I mean, I guess you could if you were unilingual, but that would that would be really tough. You'd be pretty limited to like the centaur, like right. you know, a few smaller venues. But uh, I just, I mean, I can speak French, but I didn't feel, you know, I'm not very Len. So uh, late '90s uh, in Toronto, signed up to Second City, and uh, uh, how does that look for you? Is it is it an easy fit? Are you feeling comfortable doing that? <laughs> I I took a few classes there, and I would hear the improvisers and just think, what the hell is going on in there? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, so I started in 97 and I started at like level A, like the very beginning. And, um, I ended up meeting some of my great friends to this day, um, in those classes and, and they, um, so that was, it was quite wonderful. And we were the first group to go through the conservatory. It didn't exist before. So right. whatever that would have been 98, I guess, or something, it takes about a year to go through each kind of block chunk. Yeah. Uh, so there were two chunks at the time and I was going through the second chunk and that's when I auditioned for, uh, the Turco. And I remember hearing when I went to drop off my resume, I knew someone in the box office, Don Whitwell actually. And Don was like, Oh, I've heard they're not hiring women this year. Like they're getting rid of all the men, but you know, and that's what she'd heard through the grapevine. There was always a grapevine, you know. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to audition anyway. I'm going right. to give it a shot. Uh, and, youth. Uh, yeah, youth. <laughs> that worked right there. <laughs> so I, I gave it a shot. And sure enough, they ended up, you know, recasting all the women. <laughs> um, and I was one of them. What do you think was snapping there? What, what were they seeing? Well, Oof, what was it? Well, I remember actually Sandy Belkowski, who I always think of as a bit of a guardian angel because she was the one who said yes to me. She was in the audition. It was right. Bob Martin, I think, and, and Sandy Belkowski. And she said to me later, it was because I was laughing and I I laughed at other people's work. Like when I was sitting watching, I was laughing because I, I thought they were doing a really you know good job. And right. so I just was in a spirit of playfulness. And I think I learned that actually from the class I was with at, in Second City. They were a really supportive, laughy class. And we just really vibed with each other. And so I guess I just, that carried through into the audition. And that's interesting yeah. eh? because there, you could have that class where people are a little more judgy and totally. and a little more competitive and yeah. what have you. When we suddenly have that group who's actually all actively and with positivity yes. pushing each other, yes, and then you're just armed with that. Well, I was when and so, you walk in. Yeah, exactly. I was in that, and I remember before I left, I'd listened to that was the year. Or soon after Lauren Hill's The Miseducation of Lauren Hill came out, and that album was everything to me. The record me. comes up a lot in, in sort of best of lists oh, and so well, on. Just in the sense that I think it, it transcended time and space yeah. from how important it is now. Uh, and when she goes on to her now, people are still like, oh, yeah. I still love her. Like, even there. when she makes me wait two hours and she butchers the set and I'm like so what you've happened? been you've been oh, with I've been. To I was one, one of, these, of them uh, I have much talked about I have I've been to a couple of them yeah. and uh, but I I'm like it's unconditional Lauren I'm sorry you gave me the miseducation mistreat me Lauren do what you need to do yeah. you know I won't go out of my way all the time to see you but um, be you I love you I'm amazed at the inc- I mean, we're going off on a tangent here and I want to get back to it but I am amazed at the incredible interest in Alanis Morissette again right now yeah it's just like those tickets went like 
Hotcakes. I know. Full musical yeah. <laughs> in Broadway right now. New album being played on the radio. I've heard it on the radio. I haven't heard it. It's just like, it's right back. Wow. Like, here she goes again. That was another album. I was like listening, working my job in Montreal right. and just like, yes, I identify. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It was like, it was that record for, yeah. uh, uh, I think in particular for women. In fact, I, yeah. I mean, for guys, too. I liked it because the Red Hot Chili Peppers were playing the guitars on it and stuff. Right. Okay. Right. God. Anyway, yeah. we could go on about records. But yeah. but you you mentioned Lauryn Hill as this record at the right. time. So I was, I, to get into a good zone for my audition, or maybe it was my callback. I can't remember. Audition or callback. And I listened to Zion, the fourth track on the album. And, you know, it's about her. Again, it's about choosing to keep a child. And, you know, when everyone's saying, follow your career, you know, and instead she chose to right. use her heart. So while it wasn't <laughs> as sort of uh, life and death, literally as that, I was like, I got to follow my heart. Like I have a day job, but I'm, I'm going for this. And everyone's telling me maybe not, you know, like I wasn't on the scene. Like I was taking the classes, but I didn't have a troop. I wasn't really hanging out there. I was working a day job. So um, I, I got into the zone listening to Zion and I just rode that wave all the way. Well, you know, it's funny when we look back, I, I often think, oh, I haven't taken that many risks. Mm-hmm. But then I think, well, I moved here right. and I did take these steps so that I just don't, I don't put a lot of weight on now. And I think about a story like that. Yeah. You took a risk. I took a risk. And then yeah. I, so I got, I got the same day I got into the touring company. Um, I had been working at a, two jobs, one at a call center, Signature Vacations. I, I worked even, at a call center oh, too geez. here in Toronto. Yep. I was a mutual fund company. Oh, okay. Uh, very quickly, I, yes. I got fired because they had a sports day. I dressed up in a sports outfit. Yes. They didn't tell me it was also corporate day. So I'm like, why would you have a sports day on a corporate day? So I'm the one guy. You got fired for that? Well, they were like, okay. They your, didn't like you your anymore. Your days are numbered. Yeah. And they told me I could only uh, come back in the office that day if I put on some pants and I had no money and I didn't have any like credit card or anything. I had like $2. So I went and bought women's stirrup pants at the Salvation Army and I came back. Good for you. But what sports team doesn't have pants? Like, what were you wearing? I was wearing shorts. Oh, shorts. Okay. I was like, what? (laughs) Just just wore a t-shirt and for some reason. Call centers, right? Yeah, yeah. A little bit soul-sucking. Yeah, a little bit soul-sucking for sure. Uh, But I won this bottle of Veuve Clicquot because I sold... I don't know what it was, a trip to Ireland or something. I can't remember. But I, for some reason, Veuve go is the prize. Right. Um, and so I'd stuck it aside and said, if I get into, when I, or no, I, I phrased it as, when I get into Second City Touring Company, we will pop that champagne. And I guess it was like a year or two later. And so we popped the Veuve. And that very same day, I got a promotion at work. I had left the call center at this right. point, And I was working as an assistant at a television uh, selling TV airtime at WBS doesn't exist anymore. It's great. I love that you have all these experiences. Yeah. This this lends to why you were able to become a showrunner, I think. I, well, it kind of does. And drawing on all these sort of work experiences. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so I got promoted to have the office, the expense account and everything the, and become a rep. So it's like jumping that barrier young, from being for, like... Young for that. I guess. To have an expense account. I don't think I have an expense well, account. Well, those were the end of those glor- <laughs> those days where people are like throwing a football at the office and going for a boozy Friday lunch. Like it right. was, It felt like it was back in time, <laughs> Actually, this this place. And so the same day, and I was like, oh, wow. So I started, I tried to juggle both. And then um, I used all my vacation at WBS to go to my rehearsals for Second City. And and we'd perform Sunday nights in the Turco, and then I'd have to wake up early. So everyone would be partying. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to get to work. And, you know, um, and then it reached a point where I had to make a choice because they wanted me for a couple of weeks to do more rehearsals. I'd run out of 
time and they made me choose the work, the job. And I said, okay, well, I choose Second City. And everyone's like, you're so brave. But I didn't feel brave. I was like, of course, I'm following my dream. Right. And uh, there's no bravery, actually. And you do think that so many people don't get that chance and don't get the when does that happen step right i yeah. mean i've talked to lots of people who haven't been able to no. get on that main stage or getting in the, into the touring cast did you do all that stuff the touring cast and the, yeah i did yeah. the touring company for about a year maybe a year and a half and then i went up to main stage but again at tour you're not guaranteed anything you're no. guaranteed 85 a week and you could be fired at any time wow but i was like sure <laughs> no problem show business. show business and i really didn't know any better i was like okay and then made it to main stage so lucky me and that's um aurora and i actually met in Tourco, but we then got to be on a main stage cast together, Aurora Brown and Jen Goodhue and I. Okay. Uh, and that was magical. That was that was great and, to work with them. And we get to uh, enjoy that. All the time. Now. Right now, yeah. which is great. The touring thing is funny, right? I actually went and saw one of the touring shows like North somewhere. I can't mm. remember. It was, I, well, I think it was in South Georgian Bay kind of area and they had a little theater up there. And, yeah. and I just thought, this is... This is it. Like they, these kids have to get on the road and, and yeah. go do this thing and, and deal with very different audiences than downtown Toronto. Oh, very different. And like in a van that it's surely not legal, with like maybe two seat belts and no heat or whatever. It wasn't just rattling along but the fun, way. Right? But fun, right? super fun. We had a great time. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and then it really is from there. I mean, I don't want to compress time too much, but uh, uh, you do seem to get gigs with a lot of these shows. The Strombolopolis show comes into yeah. the play at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I'd been at 22 Minutes and a friend of mine who had he just started. Uh, uh, what, Tim McAuliffe. What was, was the uh, what was the jump from Second City to oh, one of these shows or like a the TV jump show? was I was I was I'd finished Second City I'd gone in my Lada I bought a Lada and traveled across the country in it and deciding wherever it breaks down is where I'll stay and that's what I did for a few months a little bit a little bit hippieish like a little a, bit hippieish yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. is that in you are you yeah, yeah like, like I walked the Camino I you know did the eight hundred kilo- or seven hundred seventy six because I you know like I, I go to like a dead show and yeah like I'm, I, that, I'm that guy a little bit I've never been to a dead show but. <laughs> But uh, I have friends who have. No, but I uh, I like a weird solo adventure that doesn't quite make sense, that isn't completely planned out. That right. Like I walked the Camino, I didn't have a map. I, you know, didn't bring an iPhone. Free spirit thing. I guess, Is sometimes. That, I just saw your tarot cards uh, sketch. Uh, oh, I thought you saw my deck. I was like, you saw my tarot cards? <laughs> I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was you actually in the sketch. Which but. Uh, it was like they keep putting on tarot cards and they're all like death. And, and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember who wrote that, but uh, I think Jen Goodhue wrote that. But uh, yeah, yes. Just, you're, you're into it. You're into the, oh, the sure. free spirit. The uh, I Ching, the tarot. Yeah. Why not? It's good. Yeah, I like, I like making decisions. When I walk the Camino, actually, I had this rock that had uh, almost looked like an arrow marking on it, just somehow. It, that was the marking of the rock. And if I had to make a decision, I was like, oh, do I keep walking tonight or stay in this city or do I take this path or that path? Right. Um, if I didn't know, I'd, I'd consult the rock. And my only rule was if you consult the rock, you have to do what the rock says. So don't look at the rock if you're going to say, actually, I don't want to go that way. Good. And good self-discipline. Never let me down. Really? Just yeah. to follow the rock. Follow the rock. I mean, yeah. I only consulted it a few times. Right. But, you know. When you were feeling like, okay. Yeah. But that, that I think, affirms trust in the world. When right. You can say, it doesn't matter if I walk this way or that way. One way may be longer. One may have a blister and one may, whatever. You, it'll all work out. It's good. 
I guess. I like this talk. I like yeah. what you. Uh, uh, so uh, okay, so you went on this cross Canadian trip. You're uh-huh. following the rock. Mm. Following the rock. So I I come back and what happens? Oh, Jen Whalen is working at 22 Minutes. And she says, you should submit a package, you know? And I was like, okay. So I put together a package. Mark, just, Mark Little used to say to me, it's just all former COD co-writers over there. Right. Is, that, is that what it is? I don't you know. You don't know. You're maybe not that I actually don't know. Invested, but, well, I mean, I, yeah. I liked the people. They yeah. were great. Barry Julian, you know, Mark Farrell was the showrunner at the time. And so he gave me my first break for that. I, so I'm super grateful. Yeah, so I put together a package, and Jen, I remember her saying, a lot of people ask, but they don't actually do the package. When it comes down to it, they don't do the work and write the sketches and the jokes and submit it, but I did, and they give you a trial, like a week or two. I was writing stuff, and, and the kind of the deal is, if you get something on the air in that week or two, then chances are they'll ask you back, because it's actually kind of hard to get sure. something on there when you're new, and there's a lot of other people of course, yeah. who Makes know the sense. beast. So if you get a joke in and a sketch, that's a good sign, and... I, I like yeah. this idea, though, that, you know, some people wouldn't bother putting mm-hmm. together the package. Well, so right. that that's installed in you. You do have this work ethic. I guess so. That yeah. has come from somewhere. Where does that Is that mom? That, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe. Quick on the trial. Yeah, wait, I don't think that's my mom, really. She was like, oh, I, as long as you do your best, I love you. Right. Um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking maybe she modeled that. Or, she probably did. Yeah. You know what? I, I was high achieving as a kid. Mm-hmm. I I did my homework. I liked school. I worked hard at it. I mean, not so hard, uh, well enough to to be at whatever level I felt was. Okay. Are you are you comfortable in leadership? Uh, yeah, I like it, but I I only I like it if I if it feels earned. I like it if it feels right. Like if I know where we're going or have a an inner compass of of where that may be. But if I don't. Uh, I'm not the person who's like, I'll take, I'll lead the group. Like, right. I'll lead if if it feels right. As I've watched the show over the last, you know, whatever it's been, four years now. Yeah, you always felt like the natural leader to me. Mm-hmm. I did not know you were show showrunner. Yeah. Like, it just felt like you were overseeing this thing, and this was yeah. so, so, to some degree your baby that you were watching. Yeah, you know, sort of expand into the universe. Yeah, I was showrunning for the first three seasons, yeah. and um, it was a shit ton of work. It was a lot of work, but I could see it. I could see the show, and and you know, and know, you know, in those that land of satire, you know, like what we were aiming for. And I wasn't working alone. I had like Meredith and Aurora and Jen. So it's not like oh, it's just me and right, you know, right, like there was there were we're all executive producers, so there are these great minds. But yeah, it was it was one job where I. Felt I could see it, and so no. In the writing room, when someone would write something, it's like, "Oh, that's funny," but maybe that's for another show. That's that's you know, Broad City, or that's you know, Sunnyside, or that's whatever. No, let's 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 really focus on what this show is. And and it and there were some people in the room who'd never written before, right, for TV. So, how was your comfort level? Because it sounds like between the different acting gigs, you know, mm-hmm. showing up on Queers Folk, showing up oh, yeah. on uh, uh, working on George's show, working yeah. on uh, Twenty Two Minutes, yeah. that. You know, it's like you're handed this work and then you do it and then it's sort of auditioning and trying different things. How was that bouncing? Was that bouncing around for you? It was okay, but I had reached a point where I was tired of writing in other people's voices. And and that was a very clear um, realization. And I remember talking to my agent, Carly, and I went to her and I said, I don't 
actually want to work on other people's shows anymore. Like, I don't want to write in other people's voices. I need to create something. And she's like, okay. And, uh, and then of course that's really dangerous when you make those decisions because then you, your material conditions, like literally paychecks kind of stop arriving. And, and at the same time, I wasn't being asked to be in people's rooms. I went into this weird dry spell. So it was very strange. It was actually kind of like I was saying it, but it's not like I was being deluged with opportunities. I, you know, right. Um, so it was a very hard time where I was like, really struggling to, you know, what is my voice? But I guess I needed, don't they say like with an orchid, you need to starve it in order for it to grow and then you water it once every two, I don't know. Well, people uh, joke with me all the time. This is radio station number five right. for me. Okay. And it's been a pretty tough battle some of the time. And there's been yeah. some real lonely moments where you think, yeah. I don't know if I got another one of these in me. Yeah. And, but it's just exactly that. I mean, for some reason. Yeah. You, I think you have to be ready to kind of give it you up. You do. And, and then, say, yeah. I'll just, uh, either it's going to go better or, or I, I, maybe I got to think of something else. That's what I was, that's what I was saying yeah. because I just, I wasn't happy. I wasn't feeling satisfied. And, and I think writing in other people's voices is super important training as a writer totally. for sure. But I'd reached a point where there were other things, things I wanted to say and those platforms weren't there and I didn't have any grand plan. I just knew I wasn't satisfied. And, and so it was a really, yeah, it was an, ended up being a very fertile time. But I guess sometimes you have to go fallow, right? In order to. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's Art at the End of the World. My name is Mark Wigmore. We will return with Carolyn Taylor in moments. You're listening to the Zoomer Podcast Network. You are listening to Art at the End of the World on the Zoomer Podcast Network. We return to my conversation with a wonderful person and a huge comedic talent, Carolyn Taylor. It it does feel like there's been, with this show, that there, as much as the funny is wildly important, and I think it's probably the show's greatest strength, but there has been this intention, you know, there has been this thing that you, you seem to somewhat consciously want mm-hmm. to, to put together. That Let's start yeah. talking about the things we've never seen on television before. Yeah, I guess. And, and coming from the place of the personal, right? Like, you know, the way the personal is political. And so rather than like it was never the mandate of the show to do impressions of you know, politicians, and there right. were other shows doing a great job of that. Right. And so that wasn't what this show was. So it was really knowing what it wasn't as much as what it was. And so finding the political in the personal and saying, okay, well, let's let's look at that because there's a truth in that and, there, and, and it's worth exploring. And sure enough, it resonated and people could see themselves in the characters. And that was one of the things in the writing room. Like we wanted people to see themselves or see a friend or, oh my God, that's just like my sister. That's just like my, you know, boss. It's right. like me. Or to cringe the parts that you cringe at in oh, your yeah. in yourself. You do that to me every week. Oh God. I, I got something. I, I like playing cringeworthy parts. Like I go to the grossest parts of myself and other people and just go, okay. You're, uh, uh, I, I think of your, a lot of cosmetic surgery uh, the four women getting together, they were like, uh, they're all like wives, I think, of maybe r- rich people. Okay. <laughs> and they're all together, and you, your lips are blown up like crazy. Oh, oh, is that with me and Merida? I think it's the four of you. Oh, the four of us. And, and you're all. Oh, yes, yes, in these yes. Dresses, and you're. you're 
and we go around the circle and everyone's had a little more done and then it I think the last person is Aurora and it's she has a shellfish allergy and that's why her lips are big and that's right. everyone's like oh can I have the shellfish it, I mean that was like sort of in its own vein sort of in the grotesque where yes. all, like all of you had pushed the limits yeah. of what your face is good look yeah. like under such conditions we and whatnot. such good hair and makeup team yeah. they're so good Kim Primo leading the, the makeup team and Helen McKenzie and Ashley and Min and you had mentioned that you had been on stage with um with Aurora and I guess were you on stage with Jennifer too before this no no well Jen yeah I mean not at Second City she was already alumni when I was coming through but I was producing a show with uh, Don Whitwell called Wand Portal and I would bring on Jen a lot and bring on Aurora so we were sort of working together already on stage uh, mostly improvising um, and Aurora and I would do some sketch together sometimes. And how did we find? How did Meredith come into the picture? Well, I went back in 2012. I sort of had an on again, off again relationship with 22 Minutes. So okay. I'd left, and then I was at the hour, and then I was doing other things, and then they called Mark Farrell. I guess had left as showrunner, and then came back and said, "Hey, can you come in?" And I show up just to do you know six months or a few months. And I arrive and I do my homework. Okay, who's the cast now? What's happening? You know, I haven't been here in a couple of years. And I see Meredith McNeil. Uh, she's playing a kind of a small part, almost a background character in a in a bigger, larger scene. I was like, who's that? Right. Holy shit, she's yeah. funny. And, and she barely has a line in the scene, but she's the one I can't take my eyes off. So um, I got there. I got settled. I went down to her dressing room because the writers were sort of upstairs in this room and I guess all the actors had their dressing rooms on the right, other right. floor. So I went there and I was like, introduce myself and um, and we hit it off immediately. And, uh, and so I started writing for her on the show and we started just talking about Canadian television. And of course, she'd come from England uh, where she'd been for, I think, 10 years. And um, we knew we wanted to collaborate together. And she really wanted to do female sketch. She was super, you know, because there were some troops, like, out in England that I loved, like, Smack the Pony. I was a big fan of theirs, right, and yeah. I think she was as well. They'd come up uh, sort of yeah. in conversation here and there, yeah. Yeah, so we met out in, in 22, and then she'd come to Toronto and stay in my guest room, and we would write together and try to get something, Isn't get something that, off the ground. It, it's such a... Uh, that really does show the love in your heart for it. Like, let's just sit down and yeah. come up with ideas. We did, and we would we would sit at my dining room table, and we had, like, an apple no, and no a lemon. No paycheck at the end of no, it. Oh, gosh, no paycheck. Just let's write funny things. Yeah, let's try to write. Well, it wasn't, at that point, I think we were more, like, using our strategic minds. I don't think we were writing funny things at that point, but we were like, okay, how does this industry work? Like, how do we crack this thing? Okay, so if this apple is... yeah. You know, Sarah Fowley and this lemon. <laughs> you know, like we took all the players, whoever was sort of in the industry, and who are they, and how do you who's, do this? Who's making this and decision you, that could yeah, allow you, us to do something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were, we would, we would get together, and she'd fly in, and we'd work at my place, and so then I introduced her to Meredith and Jen. Yeah. I mean, this is after we, right, right. you know, I was talking to Frantic, and then it was like, oh. Jen Whalen and Aurora Brown, and then of course they met Meredith, and they all got along. And in actually crafting the four, yeah, was there you kind of had an idea of I what did. was going on there? I knew Aurora was like such a phenomenal actress, and working with her at Second City, I loved collaborating with her. We did almost all our scenes together, and uh, and she was actually living in my building two stories down, so right. that was. Pretty convenient too, she but that's the, not why. She was she your was Chris chosen. Lock. Yeah, yeah just exactly. Out there. Yeah. Totally getting high and hanging out. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then Jen Whalen and I, you know, we had stayed friends and I was putting her in my show on Juan Portal and she's a very, you know, gifted improviser and, you know, a great writer and stuff. And so I was 
it, to me, it was like, yeah, Jen Whalen and Aurora, those are the people. What do you remember that time where the four of you first got together and actually were like, w- was there already a contract in place? Or yeah, was there was, it, we okay. were working on that. Like we went and we took our meetings and stuff. Like we already had the interest of Frantic and the, now at this point, the pitch document's been written. And, and so the four of us went in and we made sure we looked right and we knew what we were going to say, but make it seem seamless. Like right. we were very strategic. We're like, we're going to get this. And one of the things was we didn't want a web series and I think it's awesome to have a web series but for us at that time we're like no we want this and we actually knew we wanted it on CBC right. so we we met with all the other networks but CBC's where we wanted to be and it was interesting because there was this moment where they were putting comedy really in the forefront again I think mm-hmm. Schitt's Creek had given them yeah. some confidence yeah. and, and even though it was still in its infancy it too, was just coming and, out when we were yeah, yeah I think and, you know and Working Moms was coming out when right. we were so and Kim's Convenience around the same time so they all sort of seemed to be greenlit give or take within a year it's of been good other. right it's like a nice comedy package yeah all these shows yeah and together. all very different so the, the four of you come together and you start uh, uh, filming these things mm-hmm. and you've got figured out your first set of sketches was it the sense of in that first season gosh we have so much material that mm-hmm. has all been waiting to happen in this moment what's the, that first season been like compared to right. what generating after well, after that really different because we did we did two demos so the four of us wrote a demo we shot it. i think we had a budget of five thousand uh, dollars and we didn't see any money we didn't get paid as actors like that was all just to pay for camera and you know sound that kind of thing right. and we shot this thing in two days and and i was in the edit suite with sean song uh, who still works with us and got this thing edited down to like eight minutes or something like that. And we showed it to the CBC in our pitch. Um, and then we worked together. We did another demo once we got green or we got development. Right. Uh, we got a development deal. And so then Sweet they said. Sweet development cash. Yeah, right. And uh, <laughs> so this was just for them to say, okay, well, what is it like working together now? Right. So you're going to write the sketches and this time we're going to approve them or not or, you know, give our notes. And, and so then we did that and we had, you know, a little bit more money, but still again, nothing crazy. And um, so we did that. And then we, so when we were green lit, I think it was March fourth or something. It was when the year of the horse was going into the year of the sheep. I know that. That's how I usually measure things as well. <laughs> just keep an eye on my stones and yeah. also what year. It was that because I wanted my horse to come in. I was like, come on, you know, Chinese New Year. Like it's going to happen. The horse right. is going to cross. And then we, we transitioned into the year of the sheep. I was like, oh no, we didn't get green lit. It's over. <laughs> And uh, so then my friend Sasha Pierce, who's a very gifted artist, she did something for me, which was a bunch of horses running and with some sheep in front. So the horses were pushing the sheep across right. Right. the finish line. <laughs> and then very sweet. And it came. It was beautiful. Yeah. And then we got the green light. So. That's pretty great. Yeah. And, and So material, sorry, to answer your question, we'd use those those pieces and then we, we reintroduced some of those from the demos into the first season. But no, it was all, it was new stuff. It was, right. and we were able to bring in other writers. And so we overwrote and we overshot and that was by intention so that you're not sitting there having to put something yeah, in. Like stuck, there has to be room for error. Yeah. You have to fail. You have to try something and then find out, oh, some other troop did it or... And you're still, oh, you're still doing that. I always. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't overshoot as much now. Right. Uh, we've learned... A few things, but really, you can work so hard on a sketch and put tons of money and resources and people and talent and have it flop and sure. not work. And then the sketch you improvise on the day, we call them sort of like little improvised blackouts. 
those ones sometimes end up being killer and and get in the show. So, was it a good time that first season, or was yeah. there a sense of like urgency, like we need to make this work? Or? Well, I mean, it was both. Yeah. It was a good time, and there was a sense of urgency. Right. And you know, we had a shoestring. You know, like we were working in at the Great Hall on Dover Court. Up in this little room at the top. And, I know the building. Yeah. And lots of interviews in there. Yeah, a great building. Yeah. They, they were very good to us. And we were bringing our own office supplies and rolling a desk from my house down Shaw Street, you know, like, you know, making it comfortable and right. stuff. But it was hard. But the vision was very clear. And it was like, this is what, this is where we're heading. The compass, I felt, was very clear. And so while it was a ton of work and a huge learning curve, we didn't have time to second guess. It was like, let's just, it's its happening. I think, you know, something that has been so refreshing for me is just to be let in on these conversations that we ne- didn't necessarily see on TV before. Mm-hmm. These were things that, you know, maybe specifically between women that I just hadn't had access to before. And I maybe had an inkling that that's what, how that conversation might go. Right. But suddenly we were getting these wonderful examples packaged yeah. each and every week. And yeah. uh, so lovely. And I, and I think that uh, uh, as time has kind of come along, it's been fun to see that there's these really specific characters that, that each of you have strengths for. You yeah. know, you love to be a cop. Do I? Yeah, I've seen you as a cop okay. lots of times. Okay. Come on. Sure, I guess so. Yes, I have. I've played a lot. <laughs> head of, of, head of an off, a, yeah. lot, a lot of office. A lot of bosses. A lot of bosses. A lot of villains. Like a lot of, and yeah. some clueless people, people who just don't get it. Right. Yeah. Anything you, you won't touch as far as. Oh, I'm not great at getting super angry okay. on camera. Like I just, as an actor, I'm not. So skilled at that, and I don't really, I'm not great at, like, crying. Like, Aurora could cry at the drop of a hat. She yeah. can start to cry, and she's, she has that skill. I don't have that. So if it's going to be a really emotional crying kind of thing, I, I'd be inclined to say, hey, Aurora, <laughs> like, you might be great at that. But Aurora's often in the office being the butt of everybody's. She can be, yeah. Yeah, yeah she is that's, sometimes. That's and situation for her. And I can play frustrated. Right. You know, uh, like the person, I don't know if you've seen the Uber sketch, you know, where I'm wanting my friends to get ready in time because the Uber's downstairs. Right. It's like, it'll be four minutes, guys. Hey. Right. Right. And then like, come on, guys. And then she just fucking loses it. Uh, I can do that. I can become unhinged. But, I, uh, I also love this the notion and the setup. It's often created where it's like, just friends getting together, just a bit of like, we're just going to, who cares what we do? Yeah. But it's, it's there's so many specific problems yes. within all that. It's yeah. just always joyful to yeah. watch, always. Oh, thanks. I, we, I love <laughs> you that. Know, the, to the table at the restaurant, right? The, you know, oh yeah, we'll sit anywhere, but no. Yes. There's a hundred tables yes. we, we need to try. And that was inspired by my friend Jill Kirschman, who worked with us in, in first year. And she's like that when she goes to a restaurant, <laughs> she's always going to change. And it's like, okay, all right. You know, and <laughs> right. so taking those things and. Or we'll just order anything. Yeah, but yeah. no, but it's and always a big problem. A big problem. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. And those like, that's examples. The, the cottage like, one as well, too. The cottage. Just relax. Yeah. But no. But no, here are the rules. And yeah. at the, we're at the cottage was inspired. I have a cottage, not that one. But it's a nice cottage. That was a nice fancy cottage. But it was on a shit lake. Like it, the lake had like fish floating dead on it. And That's it was, behind the scenes, yeah. right there. It, had, it did have a water snake. Someone on the, a in the water crew, snake. Yeah, someone in the crew got bit by a snake or something. Wow. And it just because we were going to swim in the scene, we were going to dive in. It was like I'm not going in that. So it was sort of a gorgeous cottage on a really dead lake. Right. 
toxic lake. But that scene, yeah, was inspired by actual things that people say at a cottage. Like everyone's going to say it's noon somewhere, yeah. you know, when they want to drink their Caesar and, <laughs> right. you know. But, and then of course it's don't relax. Yeah. You know, make sure you remember these 20 rules. Oh, the rules. Have. Yes. Yeah. Cottage rules. Yeah. Yes. That sketch. Yes. Yes. And oh. it is like that. There's been a couple that have gone mega viral, right? I, yeah. I would say that was kind of, yeah. it felt like one of them. Yeah. That was one. I know the locker room birthday sketch went. Uh, right. That was the one turning 40 that Monica Heisey wrote that. That right. was um, forty turning 40 at the gym. And uh, yeah, that got, that was our first one that we ever released. So yeah. crying, anger, you, you stay away from those. But but what about us? As I the, can do seething anger though, like passive aggressive, <laughs> right. absolutely yeah, angry I've, people, but not. Uh, I've seen you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that. That's my comfort zone, Mark. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, I was, is there is there a topic or something that you've sort of said? You know what? That that's just too hot for us to touch, or mm. uh, that's that's going to be too difficult to make funny, or something where you, the, you've had to sort of put the brakes on an idea. Mm, that's a great question. Uh, usually, we're not afraid of stuff. Like we've gone to some <laughs> hard places. I get that. <laughs> uh, we do do that. If anything. When I was showrunning, like it would be like, just I just don't want to go to the cliche. Like I'd I'd rather steer away from. Oh, has that been done so many times, or right. is it two boys against the girls? Like I'd rather look at the problems being systemic. You know, like we're all living in a messed up world, and we are. you know, patriarchy hurts us all, not just women. More shying away from stuff that felt like, oh, have, have we already done a scene, a relationship scene? Like has that been done on every sitcom about every straight couple? Like ah. Uh, don't want to do that. But I think as far as hard topics, we have tried to tackle some that we didn't, if we didn't hit it, then we don't shoot it or it doesn't go to air. And you go, right. we tried. But if you're not going to do it, it's not well. But if, it, if the POV is not coming across for whatever reason, then it's better to hold it back than. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's really, at the end of the day, it's about the funny. It's about I mean, the funny. Yeah. Is, it, is it smart and funny? Does it hit? You know, and of course, there's the different kinds of funny, like the different types of satire, sure. I guess. You of know? course. Horatian, what, what is Horatian? Juvenilian and <laughs> Menippean or something? Well, I, I'm a layman compared I don't know. to those I, terms. I, I don't but, know. But, but anyway. I do know, you know, sort of funny, smart versus funny, haha, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, all but, of those. Yeah. And that something doesn't have to, it can be short. You know, if the joke is just one stupid joke, you don't need to have it go on for nine minutes. Have it be 30 seconds and then you're on to the next thing. One of those short ones, I'm trying to remember if you were in this sketch, it was very short, but it was uh, two gals going to the park, they're sitting down having some wine on a picnic t- uh, blanket, mm-hmm. they're having a great time, just catching up, you know, the usual thing, yeah. right? Fun. And then one announces they're going to have a baby. Yes. And uh, the other person very quickly says, well, I will never see you again. Yes, I, w- I was in that, Mark. Yeah. I yeah, wrote right. that sketch, actually, Mark. There were four of us in it. We were playing croquet. I thought it was just two. No. Nope. thought it was two. There were two who oh, were Oh, yeah, there was like croquet. croquet. Yeah, we were playing croquet, and then it was like we have some news, and it was like, oh, well, great. We'll never see you. Really we'll never, great knowing you. Yeah. And that's the way it is. I mean, I don't have... Do you have kids? I, I do, but oh. it's... I mean, it's a long, sordid story, but oh. uh, I have stepkids who are older. I have, okay. I'm a big brother, so I'm a little brother, oh. uh, and I had a daughter very early. And so she's all grown up. Okay. And so I've never really had the, the to deal with the like the baby baby right. you know, part of things. The baby baby. Um, I will say that I have had that experience where people have we've had dinner and they said we're about to have a baby, mm-hmm. and I I think I literally said to a couple, uh-huh. I, "That's it. We're, this has been fun. This has been fun. Yeah. Have a good one. Wish I'll like the picture on Facebook. You yeah. know." <laughs> 
for sure. <laughs> for sure, I'll do. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah, I'll you know heart the Instagram. But I, I just, uh, yeah, it's sort of like that came from your heart. That's, I'm glad. Yeah. Oh, it came from a very true place. I'm like, there you go. Okay, yeah, well, we, it's sort of sad, right? Because we might have friends listening right now who we've done that to. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> now there are some cool friends, you know, friends who are able. Yeah, I bring their kid along, and the kids kind of cool, and they carry their kid around like a football, you know, right. like. But um, yeah. Uh, that's something you ever think about doing? The kid carrying thing? a kid around in like a football? <laughs> <laughs> the kid no, thing. I don't. I think I had a time in my thirties where I was like, oh, maybe I would like a family. Right. But um, that voice is so strange. <laughs> I was like, don't trust her. <laughs> What's that tone? Um, sort of a higher register. Yeah, higher register. Not grounded in any <laughs> true desire. Just uh, <laughs> sort of. Like a guide that's, you know, maybe this should be the way things go. Maybe. No, I, I think yeah. I felt I had that sort of feeling, but I, no, not my jam. Like, I think my art and that type of thing, it sounds cliche, I guess, is, is my baby. Uh, and it is I, mine. And I love cats and, you know. <laughs> you have a lot? You have many. Well, I, no, I, right now I'm catless, but I did have a cat for, who was like 22, 23, and she yeah. was, I had her for 18, 19 years. It's a long run. She just died. I fucking love that goddamn cat. She was in Baroness many times. Really? Yeah. She was in Put the Cat Down, the one where I'm holding the cat above my head, and the doctor says, we're going to have to put the cat down, and then you cut to me with the cat above my head. I'm like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> yeah, she's been in a few sketches. I have five. You have five. I have well, I have two cats, three dogs. Oh, jeez, it's a lot. Do you have a big house? No. No. Oh, where'd you keep the litter? <laughs> litter. When I created my Airbnb, there was a stairway that went down to mm-hmm. the basement, and we cut that off. Okay. So now there's a stairway downstairs that goes to a ceiling. Oh. And on that ceiling is where my cat, cat litter boxes oh. are. We had a cat, um, my girlfriend had a cat, Calliope, who also passed away, a beautiful cat. She was toilet trained. Right. But then we... It's pretty that, good. Yeah, but we didn't do... Like, she arrived toilet trained and okay. morning was like, no. It's weird, right? It. I had a friend who had... He had a, one of those Maine Coon, yeah. giant, those giant cats. Oh, a giant Maine Coon, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he could do that. It was really weird. Wow. I'd walk in and be like, hmm, guess this is uh, <laughs> being used. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Cat turns around, yeah. gives you the like, stink hey. eye. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So that's my family, I guess. Yeah. Um, there was a, uh, I'm trying to remember, a. Uh, it was right there, and then we got on the oh, main no. Coon thing. Talking about cats, talking <laughs> about family, having children, maybe. Uh, uh, you were playing the mother of a, uh, a lesbian woman who's just, she's about to get, uh, she's just hitched with this new gal mm-hmm. who's from Mexico, I think, and... Uh, and you're giving them all all this advice. You're trying to be cool, mom, for the uh, huh? the lesbian the lesbian daughter. You don't remember that? Oh, oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Called jealous of your come out. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That was season four. Sorry, I was blanking for a second. Yes, yeah, so my daughter, the cool, yeah, the daughter, and, and Monica Garrido plays right. her girlfriend. Uh, and and yeah, that was coming from a place of you know how you know in some you know sort of liberally you know white culture or whatever. It's like oh. I'm your supportive parent and the parent seems to make it more about more them. More about them, yeah. And, oh, it's so, wasn't it great to come out? And, the, and it's like, no, there are people culturally who fucking, it's really hard. And it's not those days. And it's not... We, we, we can't, yeah. we're not quite there yet. Where we're we not. And we have to really remember, you know, that it isn't the same for everybody. And, no. and that there are so many parents, yeah, too, who, who do make it about themselves. And they're like, you know, the... 
marching in PFLAG, which is awesome and supportive, but so often, sometimes it feels like parents make it more about themselves yeah. than their kids' They're experience. wearing the rainbow shirt, and, yeah. and off you go. I mean, I just, as I was watching that sketch, I thought, well, there's a whole bunch here for you to kind of unpack. Like you obviously had your own experiences with your yeah with your mom and yeah. and uh, she was all, great. Yeah, that was what that wasn't that experience. You weren't borrowing from mom. There. No, no, not at all, <laughs> not at all. Like my mom, yeah, my mom took it well. She was okay, but she did later say she had to end up talking talking in therapy or to someone or just to try to work through her feelings around it. But no, she was super supportive, never let me in on her inner process. It didn't make it about her. But she did when she was in the hospital a couple of years ago, you know, there'd be the doctor and I'd be there with my sister, Leslie, and my my partner, uh, Moynan. And my mom, you know, spirit of inclusivity, but we're also like, is this internalized homophobia? I'm not sure. She'd be like, these are my three daughters, you know. <laughs> here my th- and meanwhile, Morning and I are together, you know, like right. holding hands. And the doctor's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah here's my three daughters. sisters here. Yeah. What's happening? Yeah, what's, right. what's that about? <laughs> so, but yeah, very, very supportive. There, yeah. I mean, you know, the occasional uh, parental you know, Miss Steph. Sure. Know, her friend. Yeah. Here's her friend. Uh, but. Uh, it was a bit of a 50 story. Yeah. In its own way. But overall, I'd say I had it. I had it easy in that right. regard. For right. sure. What I, I do like that about even, you know, in compared to Schitt's Creek, too, is that there is this assumption, even though you are pointing out, you know, funny things about difficult subjects. Mm-hmm. But there is this assumption like, hey, this is all just kind of happening and we don't need to kind of overstate things uh-huh. too much as far as sexuality is concerned, as yeah. far as, you know, gender issues are concerned. Yeah. I mean, you are, are are going right after, you know, these big subjects, but at the same time, you're, you're just kind of assuming we're all at a certain intelligence level that we can kind yeah. of get on board with. And this, I think that right? was part of the show. Like, we really wanted to operate at the top of our intelligence level. It's no fun saying, oh, well, let's dumb it down. Or what if people haven't read Judith Butler's Gender Trouble? Well, it's okay Maybe they're going to pick it up because they found that interesting. Or maybe they're going to laugh at another dynamic that's happening in the scene. And um, I remember there being a big thing with one of our producers about uh, the Caesars in in We're at the Cottage uh, going, trying to make an American sale, saying like they wouldn't know what Caesars are. They don't drink Caesars. Can we make it Bloody Mary? It's like they'll look it up like they're not going to hate the sketch because they don't know what a Caesar is. But uh, (laughs) anyway, whatever. That's been part of this right is that uh you know you're on ifc you're yep. on cbc you're on netflix yes how is that international attention how does it manifest that you are become aware of it and yeah. and is it just that your your social media is completely off the hook with people from all over the world or kind of like you know? i'm a bit of a social media like Ugh, i'm not good at it it kind of scares me like i don't have the blue check mark beside my name on twitter i'm very unreliable i might write back or i'm not a good i'm right i hate it yeah okay I, I do it because you kind of ha- i don't know to. you have to but is- i'm not good i'm like the lame one like you follow me, you might get something. I, I don't know. I get uncomfortable. Instagram, right. I've started to allow people in who I don't know right. uh, just to be like, well, sure, you want to see a picture of you gotta do me that. and my mom? Or you gotta, like you're a cat. celebrity. You yeah. have to open it so up. I am, so I have. Yeah. I have done that. And then Facebook, I'm pretty unreliable on as well. But uh, <laughs> that's, I think that's a trend. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, what, were, what was the question now? Um, just the, the, the experience of that international oh. exposure. So I think... Where I notice it most is, I mean, when we were on CBC, for sure, there'd be people like, oh, yeah, you know, like the show. But when we went to Netflix, that's when I was like getting stopped on the street 
you know, it goes in waves. I guess mm-hmm. when the show's sort of out or launched again, that's it when really it really shows the power of that. It, thing. it does. It's it really bizarre. does. Because then it's like, oh my God, I, I'm not going a day without someone stopping me, which is, and it's fine because everyone's really nice and cool. Like, no one's, I did have one guy who was like, you know, I never thought women were funny, but you, you change, you guys oh, changed boy. it. So can I take a picture with you? It's like, Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm like, okay, well, if you've seen the light, I mean, who am I to judge who you were before? I suppose. Todd. But, but yeah, <laughs> it just. <laughs> Was that really his name? No. No. Uh, so it has changed that way. And, and being in the States, I got recognized. I was, I guess, flying to LA, LA or New York. I think it was LA. And uh, I was at LAX. And I'm about to go through that machine and I get the pat down because I always choose the pat down over that weird um yeah the revolving, the revolving x-ray thing because you're allowed to ask you're allowed to say no i i want the pat yeah give me the pat down uh, so i asked for it because uh, i don't want to go in that thing i know so anyway i got the pat down and then the woman said you're very funny i've seen you and i was like what the pat down the pat down after being all like how about that tough and then so that made my day um <laughs> that's, so yeah that's uh, that one sticks out that one was a nice one. That was a nice one. And my friend Mae Martin, who's been on our show a couple of times and has been in our writing room, she was in Beverly Hills and she's like, and I got stopped. She did one from one sketch that she did with us. You know, they, is, is there a, been a sense of there must be a, a, a sketch or, or a response you got to a sketch that made you feel like, hey, like we we did something there. We, we made a difference. Like we we put something out into the world that, you yeah. know, started a conversation that I'm proud of. For or, sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah, we've had some of those for sure. Um, most recently, I guess, um, I wrote one in season four, uh, the land acknowledgement sketch. And I was scared to write that right. because I, I didn't I didn't want it to be taken the wrong way. I didn't want it to be, we shouldn't acknowledge. That's not what it's saying. It's saying, where's the muscle behind it? And there seems to be some hypocrisy right. here. And that was the part that was, you know, really getting into me that I wanted to to highlight and Remind me, because I've seen a few different takes on that bit. Like I saw people, you know, one guy, they're going on a first date and he does a land acknowledgement, which was kind of funny. I'm trying to remember where that was. But but I'm trying to remember how how you uh, frame that. This one is, uh, we're at the theater and Aurora, she plays it so well, you know, sort of theater maven at the front, just saying, everyone, you know, turn off your cell phones, you know, da da da. The classic theater. The classic, and then into the land acknowledgement, which she says in a very, you know, serious way. And then, you know, uh, this territory, you know, belongs to other folks and, and we need to make right with all our relations and the whole thing. And then, and my character is like, I'm sorry, so should we go? And like, sorry, what are you, what are you saying? And and then my character's like, well, I'm sorry, well, whose land? If we're on someone's land, shouldn't we do something about that? And it's like, right. oh, well, uh, just, you know, there's a plaque downstairs, you know, and, <laughs> right. and, and it really is just a question just to start. The conversation, like, and and so then my character is also saying, so are some of the proceeds from this going to the First Nations? I remember right now. I are remember, are yeah. some of the ticket sales is a port? What are we? And it just sort of ends with what are we doing? And and Aurora's character says, well, oh, we need to start the show, enjoy the show, and it's like okay, because we're at, we are at this like about five or six year cycle where now we've seen that in theater, we've seen it on giant yeah. award shows like the Oscars yeah. and so on, and it does start to beg the question, what is? Well, what are we that doing? Is yeah. it just something that is being said after turn off your cell phones and no food or drink in the theater? Like, and I don't have the answers. I don't know. And and as a satirist, I guess my job is to observe and to say something's up here. And is this lip service? And what are we doing? And and 
um, I, and start that conversation. And so I have had people come up and say, thank you so much for that. And, and people who also work in the theater who say, you know, we, we had to have a meeting about this and really talk it through. See, and this say, is, what are this we is doing? exactly what I was thinking about is that you, yes, you didn't have the answer, but there was this intention yeah. you put out there. Yeah. It's funny, of course. Yeah. And, and then it, it, it like it eats at people yeah. and they start to go, OK, what is the next step? What here? is the next step? Yeah. Because you can't sit in that discomfort. I mean, it's important to acknowledge. But then when we've got a few years under about, OK, well, well, hold on a second. Is that all we're doing? We're going to build and, pipelines and say our acknowledgments like, come on. And in its own little way, that changes culture. I think it I think it does just by looking in the mirror a little. And again, I don't I don't know. I just said I, I'm seeing something here. Right. Um, and then sort of leave everyone to to decide what they want to take away from that and what the debate is. How do you handle the, the Me Too situation on that show? I mean, uh, there's all sorts of different routes you can go, but uh, maybe that's something that you, on the nose you don't touch. Maybe yeah. there's offshoots or what have Yeah, you. it sort of depends. I mean, there's something that might be going into season five. I don't know. We haven't decided the full um, episodes yet, right, but right. I feel like we're kind of dealing with it in many ways, uh, coming at it sort of in an oblique way rather than saying this is what this is. I feel like we're we're talking about it in all different in all different ways. And it sort of came it got it came to a head, I guess it was when we were just finishing shooting season three. So we're always looking at that. We did have a sketch actually about a guy who massages women at work. Um and he it makes people uncomfortable so uncomfortable that you end up releasing the tension. You, you, it brings the tension to one area, he massages you, and, and doesn't that feel wonderful? So there's a lineup of women wanting to get oh this massage. Oh, my God, that's So ridiculous. We, we ended up cutting that sketch because that sketch, you know, is everyone, good performances, but at the time we're like, no, 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 we don't want to undermine the movement now. Like, that's not, so it's not appropriate. Let's not put that sketch out because now it's not the time to add that into the conversation because it's actually not okay. It's nothing okay, and right. we're not. Right. So I think it's sometimes what we're choosing to put in and not put in is a response to that. But it's like me too. It's continuing. It's 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 not like it just one thing. It continues to evolve and, and how we address and, it. And you've obviously had that moment too where you've worked on something a year and a half before and then yeah. suddenly it's on TV and it's kind of lining up. Yeah, well, that, with that's, what's happening. that's so interesting when that happens. I just had it happen with this not in a Me Too way, but uh, with this sketch called Cats. Um, I wrote that at the beginning of season four, and it was just this woman who, someone's got tickets to Cats, Andrew Lloyd Webber's a remount, and I had no idea the movie was coming or there was going to be a remount. It was right. just like bottom of the barrel, like, I have an idea. I saw okay. you, and you're in the Cats And I'm the Cat outfit, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> I mean, whatever, no big deal, I'm in a Cat no, outfit. No, <laughs> and just this idea of like, I've only got two tickets to, to right. Cats, and then having, I liked, I wanted to mine that sort of Canadian thing where obviously... Yeah. The person who should be getting the ticket is the one who's obsessed with cats, dresses in a cat's outfit to go yeah. to work every day. Yeah. But she's so mild mannered and like, well, you know, I guess we all like cats. Like, you uh, haven't been out in a while. You haven't been out in a while. Yeah, right. And I just love that Canadian kind of like, you know, and just everyone, hmm, yeah, I wonder who it should be, you know, like, oh, I don't know. I guess we can, there's a fair way to decide. That was a great one. Yeah. yeah. And that came right at the time where Perfect. cats was being announced. So, and again, with no foresight, like that's again when the ether or the universe or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. kind of puts things together at the right time in a small way anyway. You know, we talk on this show very loosely. We call it art at the end of the world because, mm. you know, there is so much uh, cultural flux and mm. just uh, politics changing. And you can look at this moment sometimes and say, it's bad news, mm -hmm. you know, and it is, it is uh, 
very difficult. And mm-hmm. but I look at Baroness von Sketch and what you've been able to do, and what as an individual and as an actor and as a comedian, and with this troupe, and I just think it's one of the greatest things that's wow. happened in culture. And I just I love it so much. And uh, so as far as art at the end of the world is concerned, I think I'm kind of with Obama on this one. This is one of the great things that's happened in oh, our modern time. So man, thank you. Congratulations. Hey. You, you deserve everything you've got coming to you. Thanks. So. We, we worked really hard and had a lot of support from a lot of folks. Uh, but And thank you. Season five. Comes out in September. September. And then what? Are you still are you going to keep plowing ahead? Who knows, Mark? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, great to have you here. Great to be here. Really fun. That was a treat. How great was that? Thank you to Carolyn Taylor for being here. You can enjoy Baroness Von Sketch on demand on your favorite cable provider, Netflix, and on YouTube. There's an entire channel there, of course. And don't forget, Baroness up for five Canadian Screen Awards in just a couple weeks. You can watch the show on March 29th. Good luck to Carolyn and her team. I also want to thank our sponsors this week, Red Eye Media and Crow's Theatre, crowstheatre.com, for timing and tickets to a couple different shows that are beginning there in the next week. Thank you for listening. You can find all the episodes of Art at the End of the World on the website, artattheendoftheworld.com. Subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn. And you can listen if you happen to be at your desktop or laptop at classicalfm.ca. We are back with more in days to come. Our final episode this season is next Monday with the legendary singer-songwriter, my goodness, Gordon Lightfoot will be here. We'll speak to you then and for as long as we can. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.